Join Aubrey Masango. Evenings on 702. It's a quarter past uh, nine o'clock and uh, Ruz Moleshe is my guest. She is an energy and infrastructure specialist. She joins me now on the line. Ruz, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Uh, good evening, Aubrey. Aubrey. It's Jose. It's Jose. Oh, my, mm. apolog- my, <laughs> <laughs> my apologies. My apologies, Jose. My absolute apologies. The story of my life. They always butcher my name. Oh my word! I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about that. Thank you very much for for your generous spirit, Jose. So, the the minister had a lot to say, and I've got to from the word go say to you. Often, I tune out because I don't really know what he's saying uh, at a technical level. But secondly, I tune out because I've heard the stories before. I've, I was listening to the minister at the um, State of the Nation address, and he talks about how um, how we are on a new trajectory. Uh, there's going to be less and less uh, uh, episodes of load shedding, and uh, perhaps even by the end of March, we might even see the back of load shedding. And then, of course, he called a press release or press conference today. What essentially did he say to us? Because sometimes we don't really understand what they're saying, even though their lips are moving. (laughs) I think that our biggest challenge is that we had the president announcing an energy action plan in July 2022, which was envisaged to try and address the challenge of load shedding. And subsequent to that, we had the Minister of Electricity being appointed with the MET. And the challenge that why no? And although we call this a plan, the plan didn't have timelines and didn't have any figures in terms of how much would be reduced in terms of load shedding from what stage to what stage. So we have an endless, call it horizon, within which the minister can decide what is the variable that we must measure. So that is the challenge. We don't have a timeline. We don't have specifics. Although. So what we know is that the intensity of load setting will be reduced over time. What that, whether that means stage one or stage two or stage whatever, we don't know. But in essence, what the minister was saying today was to give an update and to look at the trend, looking at um, 2013 as a base case, January, and uh, 2014 January as a, as, as a measure. Do we, know, and what do, we want, do we know why those particular years were chosen? Um, no, it's just to be able to see a trend, I guess. Because I, I always had criticism to say we can't look at seven days from an infrastructure point of view. It's not a short-term thing. Today you can say seven days ago I achieved this much, and then the following day you have a, 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 a heat wave, and that heat wave creates a havoc, and then you have a stage six. How are you going to then account for that. So I guess uh, maybe he's looking at something with a longer period of time. Jose, talk to me like you're talking to a five-year-old. Ne? Yes. What is the problem? What is the problem with our ability to generate power to, um, to give to our homes, our businesses? What is the problem? What is the problem? Generally? The problem is that uh, as homes, as industries, as commercial businesses, as agriculture, we need electricity. 
and there's a certain amount of electricity that you require on average. And the supply side, which is the power plants, are supposed to meet that demand. And they, right now they are falling short of that demand. And from time to time, uh, they are able to meet it. But if anything goes wrong, for instance, they don't have a reserve capacity. They're able to if something goes wrong, uh, that the industries demand more or the heat wave where everybody consumes more, then we will be able to tap into this. They don't have sufficient reserve to be able to do that. That is why you see up and down. One minute things are going well, one minute things are not going well. And the power plants have been struggling in terms of being reliable. So you've been seeing breakdowns over a period of time, which breakdowns you couldn't, could not predict with certainty. That is why everywhere else in the world, from a supply side point of view, you have a reserve or a standby capacity for emergencies and for the periods when you have uh, a spike or when you have a problem with your breakdowns, you are able, we, we, we don't have a, a, a adequate supply. Why don't we have adequate supply? Uh, adequate, because when we built our capacity, when we planned much earlier on, we did not uh, factor in building in new capacity or we took too long to do it. And when we eventually did it with the Kusile and Medupi power stations, we ended up delaying um, reaching the commercial operation. Uh, so the plants delayed for quite a number of years. And so that, and then after it delayed for a number of years, we had some of the units not functioning. For instance, at some point we had some units that were off with Kusile because of design defects. So a number of things are making us not to reach where we anticipated we would be. And we also took time after seeing that there's a problem with the design defects in these plants, took time to try and bring in new capacity. Infrastructure is not a short-term goal. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to build capacity and it takes you two days to do so. It takes you years to do so. So you have to plan accordingly. And when you have a mishap, you have to kind of react almost immediately. So it appears to me that our problem is at least threefold. One, we failed to plan accordingly. Two, because of our failure to plan accordingly, we've put too much pressure on the existing infrastructure. So it breaks down periodically or under any uh, pressure that might come either because of heat, heat wave, or because of a cold. Because I'm, I'm almost sure that uh, we're going to be getting warnings as we're going to the winter time to say, listen, guys, don't use too much power because then you'll uh, trip one or other power station or power utility or whatever the word is. Uh, three, um, we don't know how to measure our problem. Yes, and also from a, a, an FCOM point of view, breakdowns also in terms of, of, of fixing them. We had FCOM with a strong balance sheet challenge in terms of uh, how much FCOM owed other countries, over $450 billion. So they didn't have the space or the financial means to be able to do that, uh, that, that, that fixing of those breakdowns in a way that was sustainable. From where you sit, Jose, are we on the right track? I mean, we've got political issues where the Minister of Electricity doesn't know what his powers are. That's a big issue. We don't know 
where his powers start and uh, where the Department of Mineral and Energy um, uh, powers begin. Uh, that's, that's an issue that continues to be in the background uh, that seems not to be solved as yet. Um, it appears to me that the minister hasn't had that resolved. Uh, could that not be part of the impediment that causes uh, the continuation of this three, four-part problem that you've, you've, you've described for us this evening? So, so basically, what, where we are, we are in a relatively better position than where we were uh, a year ago. But I know it's called comfort to consumers of electricity because they see load shedding has an impact on them, it has an impact on the economy. Uh, so we've seen uh, an improvement in the availability of the plants and the relatively less breakdowns. Um, we've, we've seen an improvement. However, we see an improvement. We need to take them out for maintenance. So we don't have as high, as, for instance, an average of 17,000 megawatts of breakdowns. We have at 13,000. We have Kusile that has brought back about three units. However, that is, uh, is offset by the fact that ESCOM is ramping up on maintenance where they are doing huge uh, maintenance, whereas they used to do about 3,000 megawatts. They are now at 7,000, 8,000. They even reached 9,000 at some point, which is a good thing in the long run. And, but the challenge is that now you don't have that reserve capacity that comes in to support you when you are busy doing that maintenance. So, so that, 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 is, that is still our challenge. Uh, so it means then slowly but surely we see improvements. We have seen improvements with the Quebec power plant, which was uh, extended. Its life has been extended to 40 years, the unit one, and now they are busy with the second unit. Should that come back, that will help as well. And the other units that are scheduled to come back. But it's a slow, painful process. Sounds like our blanket is very short. We cover our heads, the feet are exposed. We cover the feet, the head is exposed. <laughs> That's what, what what is I mean we heard the minister talking about we'll be procuring uh, electricity from other neighboring countries. Uh, um, we even saw at some point China giving us a couple of <laughs> of generators. Um, but but what is the plan that is going to sustainably deal with the issue of load shedding? Is there such a plan? The plan, the biggest part of the plan is to make sure that. ESCOM power plants, because they are the biggest part of the... I mean, ESCOM generates or, or supplies over 95% of our our needs. So without a plan that involves ESCOM, we really cannot say we have a plan. So that is the, the one plan. But it should not be, in my view, the only plan. It should be augmented with others. So the others are the private sector, uh, 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 capacity, but we do have transmission infrastructure problems, which is what he talked about yesterday, particularly for renewable energy projects, which are supposed to be, which have better resources in areas like your Northern Cape. They are very specific areas, so you need to uh, increase the capacity in those areas, Western Cape um, for wind and uh, Eastern Cape also for wind. So they are very specific sites. 
So, and also those uh, uh, renewable energy projects, again, need a flexible supply to back them up when they are not generating electricity. We have been talking about gas, but we also have not really seen a credible... Yes, we have an RFP that is out for procurement of, uh, I think, 2,000 megawatts or 3,000 megawatts. That's going to take a, a, a while. So the, 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 the solutions are proposed, but we take too long to implement. We take too long to make sure that the regulatory framework is conducive for those things to happen. Maybe we like challenges. Yeah. From where you sit, uh, Jose, is this going to be a, a problem that we will solve in the foreseeable future? Not in the short term, in my view. Not in the short term. I don't see a credible uh, plan on the table that says in the short term we will solve this problem. But I do see encouraging progress that comes from the likes of ESCOM and comes from new plans that are being Give, give me some of those encouraging. I need some encouragement. Give me, give me two or three encouraging signs that are coming from ESCOM that from your point of view point to uh, us getting this problem under the knee. The ESCOM, having brought back the three units from Kusile, is a huge milestone. Having brought back the nuclear power unit in Quebec and uh, having extended it for, to operate now for another 40 years is very encouraging. Uh, the fact that they are doing uh, a credible amount of maintenance is going to bode well for our future. And they just need support from a government point of view to make sure that other projects uh, come on stream, like the gas, for instance, should come on stream to provide that flexible capacity. Yes, there's a procurement pro- program on the line. We hope that that program uh, yields results, and that will that will help us in, in the near in the future. Jose, I want to thank you so much for your time. Jose Moleshe is an energy and infrastructure specialist, uh, just giving us a sense and a better understanding of what the Minister of Electricity had to say uh, in his press briefing. Uh, I want to thank you so much for your time. Jose Moleshe. Moleshe. I'm so sorry. Uh, and, and, and again, I want to ask, uh, thank you for forgiving me for um, mispronouncing your name, Jose Muleshe is her name. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Much appreciated.